Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche. Oh, God, what is that? We're good. Hello? Test, I don't test. Know what that was. Bueller, okay. Bueller. I think it's better now. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented what by Jackson's Sportsbook. Uh, <laughs> use code DNVR when you sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boosts every single day. Uh, we're back again this time. The usual three of us joined by Jesse Montano back from Tampa Bay to give us his angle on the cup finals and the entire series. I imagine since you were in the building for all of it, Jesse. Yeah, man. I, uh, I was telling you guys before we, uh, hit go live. I've, I've been dying to talk about this whole playoff run with you guys. You know, the, uh, first round I was in the studio for a couple of those shows, but, um, after that, it's just been running around and AJ having to help me out after game twos because I had flights at 5 a.m. the next day and, uh, <laughs> you know, with the writing and stuff. So, uh, yeah, so yeah, no, it's it's been crazy. And I, and I really haven't had many opportunities to because every time we've had like a day in between games, I'm on a plane when you guys are doing the show and all that stuff. So, no, it's uh, uh, it's been a, it's been a, an exhausting ride, but um. I think all of us would agree. None of us would trade it for about anything. Uh, and so, no, I just, I'm super happy to be back with you guys and like back with you guys on the show today to talk about the final and all that stuff, but also just back on the show for the summer, which we only get like six weeks of. So yeah, it's going to be uh, fast, <laughs> which honestly I will take the amount of days in the media school where AJ and I were sitting there like, okay, we've been doing this off season for two months and we have seven weeks to go. <laughs> and we've talked about everything. Uh, like, yeah, no, it's it is nice. So we kind of have to like rush through summer a little bit here. It's Can all part of the fun. Full show out of the circumference of Miko Rantanen's head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think if we break his nose down for the first segment and then nose to eyes second segment for it, yeah, no, okay, we can do it. We can stretch it. We can stretch it. Yeah, not having to do that this year will be uh, will be a ton of fun. But no, I'm I'm. Uh, I'm dying to, to talk about all this with you guys. And um, I actually was just going through responding to some DMs before we start all of this. I one want to say um, thank you and congratulations to the three of you guys. Thank you for helping me hold it down on all this stuff uh, while I'm, I'm running around and doing all kinds of things. You guys made it possible uh, for me to do what I was able to do. Uh, and then congratulations to all of us. Cause what an insane ride uh, this has been. Even just this season, let alone the last several years, uh, 
this season was a grind, man. Like, you know, we were talking about it and you forget all those playoff games, all these playoff rounds. They're so intense. Um, there's so much focus, you know, everything is hyper-focused that like there was a couple times when, you know, like walking back to the hotel after games and stuff, I'd be thinking of, geez, some of those road game pods that we were doing, you know, Wednesday at Buffalo. And it's just like, the, there's three people in the bar. The game's a blowout. And it's just like, get me home. Like, <laughs> let's finish this up and get home. Um, so like, it's a, it's, it's a grind. It's a grind for everybody. Um, especially when you go two months past the regular season. So um, thank you guys. And, and congrats. Should be saying, thank you. You're the one who had to go out <laughs> on the road all these times yeah. and do all the, all the travel. So you're doing the hard work. We gave you, we gave you plenty of love on the post game pod the other yeah. day. If you managed yes. to listen I, to it. I, I did. I, uh, I need to go back through and re-listen to it because my brain was like 30% on when I listened to it. Uh, and that may be a little generous, but um, yeah, was was hurting was hurting uh, Monday morning when I was trying to listen to it, like at the airport, just shotgunning chicken tenders, trying to get as much grease in, in my stomach as possible. That's what I was doing during the third period. <sighs> yeah. yeah, can confirm. <laughs> Just trying to soak up everything that was in there. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I'm, I'll, I'll let you tell us where, where we're going to start, but I'm looking forward to talking about all this. No, I mean, I think we can start with you. You're, you're about to tell us what it was like to, to be there with the Stanley Cup getting awarded. So, yeah. So, so do we want to start when the clock hit zero? Sure. Okay. Um, Wherever you want to start. This is your story. <laughs> Well, because I I'd love I what I, what I actually love is let's go all the way back to game one of this round then. Okay, go for it. Just kind of recap this a bit. Yeah. Um. You know, man, this was it, it was all so from from the time that Arturi Lekkinen scored in overtime in Edmonton. Like this has just been a surreal experience. Um, and I know I've had that conversation with AJ on the phone a couple times in the last two weeks, um, that even as everything was happening, it just, none of it felt like it it was actually happening. Um, and no, this won't be a two hour pod. I'm just, I'm, I'm just kind of wanting to, to go through this, but, um, like seriously, I remember watching that Lekkonen goal in Edmonton and it was like in slow motion Yeah, from the time he tipped it to when he recollected it and, and, you know, seeing Mike Smith stretch out and it's like, Oh God, he's not going to from that moment to literally even still right now, it all just feels like a blur and none of it feels like it actually happened. That moment was yesterday and a year ago at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Well, dude, the, the Nashville series, like the fact that that was part of this playoff run is just like, are you kidding me? That felt, I've aged three years since then. Uh, and, and so, you know, going to media day and seeing all the banners and, and, you know, seeing the, the abs logo next to the Stanley cup final, it's just, it's all been so, um, awesome to see up close and, and, and just crazy to experience. And then, you know, they come out and they've got the patches on the Jersey. It was, it was just all such a crazy experience, but, um, you know, man, it's, it was, it was really interesting. And, and I think we've talked about this on, on a pod getting to see this team up close before and after games, as they went through this final, 
Um, they had some really, really good, talented teams the last two years. Um, I, I mean, last year, President's Trophy, one of the most like kind of dominant. Now, you know, COVID shortened season, limited teams that you're playing and all that stuff. But I mean, like, they just blew teams out last year. And now after seeing this team up close go through this six-game war against the Tampa Bay Lightning, um, last year's team loses in four games to this year's team. Like, I, I that to me was... <laughs> Which version of Philip Grubauer <laughs> is in that? Is it... Is it... Game two against Vegas, or is it game six against Vegas? Because if it's game six against Vegas, yeah, the game's over in a period. Yeah, it's game yeah. two against Vegas. Yeah, maybe. Well, it's just it, it was it was really remarkable, man, to see what what oh just, no you're good. just the way that they handled themselves um, through was what, what was a, a, a really up and down like really hard fought series i'd love to get your guys's opinion um i thought those were six phenomenal games um i mean there's two blowouts that they trade where you're just kind of depending on which side you're on you're like okay mm -hmm. but even like that game three the six to two like i felt like six two wasn't quite indicative of how the game played out for sure the seven nothing was a true blue like humdrum shit kicking like that was a that was an embarrassment. The six-two should have been more competitive, but it just wasn't. Yeah, it's fine. And and so like just just seeing them and the way they responded, like after after they lose six to two, it was one of my favorite quotes of the series. Nathan McKinnon goes, "This is fun. Like we're having fun. Like this is the Stanley Cup final, and we're playing the two-time defending champ. Like you're not gonna win every night. It's gonna be tough. We're out here like enjoying ourselves, and." I just I don't think last year's team would have had that type of response after losing six to two in a game like that. And I think it was you hear the cliche of like stay even keel, don't get too high, don't get too low. Um, and I just felt like this team embodied that more than any group I've ever seen. And I put a tweet out yesterday or two days ago. I, I don't know. I, I I have no idea what day, week, or month it is. Um, and, and I don't know, a, a lot of people disagree with me and some of you may even disagree with me. We can talk about it, but I, I put out that I thought Jared Bednar coached circles around John Cooper and biggest reason I said that was because I thought the abs kept such a narrow focus for all six games. And I really did feel like the lightning lost. I, I thought they came off the rails a little bit. I thought they came unglued at times. Um, and, and there were times in this series where, from where I was sitting, the Avs looked like the team that had multiple years of experience and that Tampa was trying to figure out, you know, and kind of find their bearings at times. Um, and I thought a lot of that was led by um, Bednar and the way that he approached things and the way that he kept the team focused. Um, I'm not taking anything away from the Lightning. That's an incredible team up close, but I don't remember the last time I saw, I mean, from game four on, Every time the puck went in the net for the abs, the first thing the lightning did was make a beeline to the refs. <laughs> and I just, I had never seen that before, especially from a team 
that had as much experience as they did. It's like, you know that games are called looser this time of year. You know they're going to let you get away with more. They're not going to call as much of that kind of ticky-tack stuff. Um, and, and it was just surprising. Like, the fact that Pat Maroon and Corey Perry are Pat Maroon and Corey Perry, holy smokes, those guys are standing up, banging their stick on the, the boards on the bench every 45 seconds. It's like you guys play within the margins more than anybody else on the ice, yet you want every call going your way. Um, it, it, and it was just really interesting. I think the one that really, really bothered me like of that, because there was so much of it at the end, but Ryan McDonough boarding. Yes, dude. Yeah. Like blatantly yes. boarding, and then Stamkos fires the puck at the official. I was I lost my shit because I was like, I literally got kicked out of a game when I was fourteen because I did that on accident. Because yep. I got mad and I fired the puck out of the net, and it hit the and I didn't see him there, and it hit the ref skate, and they threw me out of the game. Because you don't do that. You don't treat the refs that way. You show yeah. them, and and like it's one thing to like complain about calls and stuff, but that's like. You just that's like a that's like tep imagine imagine a a football player right. just firing firing the ball at at yeah. a referee after the play is dead because he's mad about the call that they made. Who like was it earlier he, this he's year? Like, he like throws the flag and he's like, Oh yeah, we've got uh holding on that guy and then a dude like while that's happening, he's the dude fires the ball at him. Yeah. You know, like right, right. it was in dude, it was insane. And I'm like, that's your that's your captain, right? Like well, your and captain was is melting down year. right now. In the NHL, got they 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 did a. I think Dops looked into something for abuse of an official, or was that the AHL? Well, McKinnon had his whole abuse of an official run in with in the Boston game, where he hit the yes. official with yep. the stick. Yep, and everybody but, determined that he did it accidentally, right? And, and but but I want to say there was one where like it was like a fight and and a and like an errant punch ended up landing on an official. I was it in the AHL, Megan? You you looked like it you were like familiar, like scanning the archive. Yeah, in the AHL, but I can't place it to any one team. Yeah, so it might not have been this year in any division that I'm familiar it, with. If it did uh, right. Sidetracking us a little bit, but it's funny how you go down the leagues and like in the ECHL every couple of years, there's a game where like criminal charges get filed because shit gets right. a lot of hand. Yeah. <laughs> Even right. throwing his gloves at the equipment trainer after yeah. the broken stick. Yeah, it's pretty egregious. At the well, NHL too, level, you don't see stuff like that. Yeah, not from a skilled player like that. Not that it makes a difference, but you just that's someone you turn to for a little bit more leadership. Well, and there's still what, like 11 seconds left on the clock when that's happening. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, by no means was the game like done at that point. You know, it was puck was in their corner. There's less than 10 seconds. It's, it's, you know, that, that have to be a hell of a push, but I, I, yeah, there, there was just some of that stuff there in that game six, um, you know, Belmar and, and Josh Manson get kind of tangled up. Josh Manson, one hand in the air, one hand on the stick, and Belmar just kind of gets tangled up in the stick and goes down, and the whole team loses their mind. It's like, yeah, this is well, game six of the Stanley the Cup stick, final. 
and then fucking right. flops it and tries to act like he got shot or some shit. You're Just like classic chicken wing thing. Yeah, right? you're like, bro, you're either getting you're either each getting a penalty or they're letting that go. And because this is the game that it is, they're letting right. that go. Right. And and each team had one power play. Uh I thought both were were appropriate. And that was it. It was even up. Both teams got their shot on the man advantage. Something like that. Honestly, honestly, the, the the one with Belmar, I really don't even know if that's a penalty like during the yeah, regular season. It's not even worth acknowledging, like straight up. Right, right. Um, and 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 you know, McDonough loses his mind. They're all slamming their sticks. Pat Maroon's going insane. And, well, Pat Maroon and, slashes Josh Manson, and the only reason that he doesn't, the only reason he doesn't get more of them. Is because Josh Manson used his own stick <laughs> yeah. to defend himself, and that was and and you're like, you're like, dude, like these two, like these incidents here, they go to show, like this was the team that it was all composure, it was all focus, it yep. was all, and then they just melted down, man, emotionally, they just got they got bopped and they had no response. Well, and, and every and, and goal, I... every yep. goal. Yep. It's contentious. And the referees play right into it. Oh, okay. Well, we'll go take a look at it, John. Hey, Coop, right. calm down. Stop yelling at me. We'll go look at it. We'll go look at it. And it's like, bro. Well, EJ, EJ, it was after the Lekkonen goal. Cause yeah, the refs like got together and, and EJ went over to him and he was like, he was fired up. And, and obviously I don't know what exactly he was saying, but I imagine it was something along the lines of what you're just saying. Like, why can we not score a goal without you guys having to get together to confer? Like what's going on here? Like, what are we doing? Um, and, and it, it was just, it was really interesting to watch. And I thought a lot of that was led by John Cooper. Um, you know, I thought, I actually thought he, uh, it was really cool being able to see John Cooper up close, right? A lot of people talk about him as being one of, if not the best coach in the NHL, He's very well-spoken. Um, I didn't realize that he was a, a practicing lawyer for five years. So now knowing that when you listen to what he says, uh, you can tell it's all very lawyered up. Um, but, you know, I, I was really impressed by him early on with composure and the way that he, he spoke and all that stuff. Um, after game four, I thought, I, I really think he kind of overplayed his hand. I think he kind of ended up going out there and he made himself look kind of silly. Um, you know, AJ, you and I talked on the phone, I think that night um, or the next day. And you and I were both saying like, you know what? I actually hope he comes out tomorrow with something way more egregious and like this huge conspiracy where the abs got away with something. Cause what he said and the way he acted, if that is what you're talking about, this too many men, where was it? Sure. Sure. By the written rule, sure. But both teams were making changes like that all series long. Sitting sitting in my seat during game one, I turned to the person on my left. I said, holy smokes, do the lightning cheat on their changes. Game one. Uh, on that literal play, like yes. it didn't happen this way, but if Kemper had just left that for Byram, Stamkos got a 50-foot advantage on the forecheck right. on that play. <laughs> yeah. <Right. Like. laughs> uh, and, and actually, there was a play in game six um, I, I, I'd be lying if I said I remembered when exactly it was, but it was again the abs were coming in, and it was it was what you just said, Rudo, where where um, 
They do the old roller hockey change. One guy's coming in and he's not even across the red line and some guy jumps out the far door. So, I mean, you literally get, yeah, like a 50, 60 foot swing. And uh, we were sitting next to some abs staff uh, in the press box. And dude, they went ballistic. Because, you know, look, like you're going to make a sideshow about too many men. Cool. You better not cheat that fucking change. Sorry. You better not cheat that change at all then. And, I, will, and- I will also point out this is the same Tampa Bay Lightning team that won an overtime game by doing exactly that this year. Because oh. in the three-on-three, they had a guy hop off at one end and Kucherov hopped off the far end. I mean, he hopped off the far end and... They get that 30-foot advantage, you know, Uh, and it's – it was the – they won a game cheating that change. Yeah. So to all of a sudden hear them – and then the complaints about too many men when Landis Cog's skate blade broke. Oh, my God. And they were pushing him over there, and it was like, do you guys really just not know the rules or (laughs) – Well, and and AJ, I thought you were going to take it a step further, like – this was another part of the reason why, and you could tell John Cooper, he didn't necessarily walk it back the next day, yeah. but you could tell he tried to like, oh, well, I was emotional and da-da-da-da-da. Like, honestly, what I thought he should have done if he was that upset after game four, he should have gotten up there and be like, you know what, guys? I was just looking at some film. Um, there's some stuff I'm going to want to talk to you guys about, but I'm just not really in the headspace to do that. I'll take your questions tomorrow, blah, 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 and he should have walked off. The fact that he he literally got halfway through the sentence and then stopped himself short of saying it was taken from us. It's like, no, dude, they cheated the change a little bit. Both teams did it 50 times over the course of the game. It's it's unfortunate for you that that one and you know that it ended up in the back of your net, but everyone was trying to get an advantage all yeah. game long. Such an egregious change that as soon as that goal got scored, he turned around and walked off. Right, and right. then when he got back to the coach's room, he looked at it and he was like, "You cheated that a little bit." Well, and, and, and then so we're... went went into the coach presser immediately after, got big bad through his little bitch fit left. Well, and so where I thought you were gonna go with this um, was last year against your boys in the Eastern Conference Final. Yeah, we talked about it on the post game. Yeah, I remember. Well, well, well and, and like, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, man, to, to sit here and get all uppity like that Yeah. when your team has benefited from something, in my opinion, even more egregious that the Islander bench did catch in real time. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, the guy, because the guy that hopped off there hopped off in the middle. He was only open in the middle of the zone because he cheated the change. Yep. Right, right. It's literally, it literally. It's one to one. Cheats. Uh, right, right. Josh, Josh, if you're crazy enough to get a tattoo of one of the DNVR designs, go off, bud. You have yep. go nuts. There have been a few of them in history already. So do your thing, homie. Uh, We're good we with are, all of it. Also brought to you by Sexy Pizza. You can go get 15% off now with code DNVR at sexy.pizza. Go check them out online or go one to one of their locations here in Denver. Absolutely delicious stuff. You can't go wrong with the simple pepperoni. They also have the jalapeno cream cheese, which weirdly has this like diehard following of people that Ugh. absolutely love that pizza. Dude, I don't get it. but It was so weird. People came upstairs and were like, this is the greatest pizza alive. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Like, what? <laughs> 
super strange, but they have it. If you want it, you can check out some of their other philanthropies as well, where some Love of the money name. spend goes to projects around Colorado. So definitely go check that out. Also brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. You can use code DNVR over with DraftKings right now to get something new because I can't use the cup finals read anymore. All right. All right. We're into UFC 276 for the new people right now. You can bet $5 on any fighter to win at UFC 276 and get a hundred dollars in free bets. Don't even have to bet the correct fighter fighter loses. You still get a hundred bucks. So jump on it right now. You can go in on some UFC people punching each other. It's not quite hockey, but you know, maybe it's like ECHL hockey. We were talking about that a little bit earlier. Uh, go check it out. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Be sure to use that TNVR promo code. Again, bet $5 on any UFC 276 fighter to win and get $100 in free bets with the DNVR code. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Other restrictions, terms, and conditions apply. Uh, DraftKings is the official sports betting partner of the UFC. And, of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Jesse, I know you had some video content. Yeah, I was going to say, so the too. biggest reason I wanted to move backwards, so I was just killing time until Yaya could get all yeah, that stuff cleared up. Uh, last thing on the offside thing, and then obviously when you get the different angle, you see they had seven guys on the ice, thought he overplayed his hand, and ended up having to walk all that back. Let's get to game six. So, you know, man, the, the clock hits zero. All guys start pouring off the ice, or excuse me, pouring off the bench. Um, was having to keep it together, uh, you know, was, was staying very composed and all that stuff, but, uh, some tears made their way out for sure. I mean, and look, dude, like you look around the press box and there are people that are national writers that have tears in their eyes. It's just, it's a special moment. Um, you know, I remember I got, I got choked up a few years ago watching Ovechkin lift the cup. It's just, you don't, people don't fully understand the sacrifice that these guys put themselves through um, to, to, to reach this and, and what they put their, their lives and their bodies and all that stuff through. Um, so, you know, being, being unbelievably lucky to, to get to go down on the ice and be amongst all these, um, these guys as, as it's happening. Uh, my favorite part about it was they were not, none of them were shy about cutting off an interview to go celebrate with their family. Um, all of them like, Hey, really sorry. Got to go. Um, you know, and, and some, they'd circle back around and things like that. Um, but just being able to see the way that they, they, they were celebrating, not only was it joy, it was relief. Um, and, 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 you know, just everybody out there was getting their pictures with the cup and having their parents lift the cup. Um, you know, all the abs fans that were up, uh, in the three hundreds just to get in the building, were all able to make their way down to the glass. Um, but you know, so, so watching them all go out onto the ice and, and the moment that I really locked my eyes onto was the, um, McKinnon EJ, uh, embrace out by the blue line. That was where that was, a lot that was of my full tackle. That was not an embrace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, uh, where a lot of my focus went after the game. Just, I figured it was EJ. I was trying to figure out who he was with. And, um, Sam Gerard was down on the ice in full gear and, picking up family members and all that stuff. And, and I was like, yeah, you can tell he's not, he's not feeling any of that pain right now. Um, but to get to see them bring the, the, the con Smythe out, that was my favorite one right there. UC Parkla's family 
the Avs goaltending coach who uh, I think started to really get some love this year uh, from some of the media. Cause it's like, all right, seems like everybody that comes in here in net really kind of seems to take a step. Um, and Parkla has a huge hand in that. So it's cool to see him down there and his family down there. First um, uh, finished coach to win the cup. Really did not know that. Did not know that. Um, but you know, it, it was just, it was just so awesome to see, you know, them bring out the con Smythe and, uh, and, and, you know, present it to kale. And he was actually really funny after the game. Um, someone asked him what it was like to win that. And even still, even still, he was like, yeah, I don't really, he pointed to it. He's like, I don't really care about this. It's, I just want to get back out there with the boys and get a picture with the cup and, you know, just celebrate the the cup with, with everyone and all that stuff. Um, but just seeing them bring all that out and seeing Landy uh, lift the cup, it just, it was, it was unbelievable. I was really worried. Landy was skating right for a cable that was on the ice. I was really afraid that he wasn't going to see it. And on his immediate lap with the cup, fall and drop it, um, stepped over it and all that stuff. Everyone, we all knew it was going to EJ second, right? Uh, second, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if it was going second. I, I had no I, problems I, with it, obviously. I felt pretty good yeah. about EJ second. It was third that I had questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, I was surprised. It was Cog's third, right? Yep. Yeah, I was, I was surprised by that. Um, but I mean, what a postseason that guy had, and I, I don't know how much this actually like got out, but they told us after the game that um, the team actually called a meeting the night before once he got to Tampa uh, without informing the coaches until after. And I guess a lot of that meeting was led by Andrew Cogliano um, and just kind of like a, Hey, here's what happened back home. We, we kind of got it out of our system. We had the one night where we were thinking about winning the cup. Um, and you know, it was just, it was awesome that, that he kind of was the one to, to rally everyone together. Like, no, we're getting this done tomorrow. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so just incredible. So once I heard that post game, it made a little bit more sense that, that he maybe got it third. Cause it sounds like he played a, a lot bigger role in that locker room than maybe we thought. Um, you know, I think we all kind of looked at it as, Oh, this is the veteran guy they're bringing in to be a depth guy, but, he ended up being a massive part of the team on the ice. Um, you know, breaks his hand, I think missed a game, comes back, and he's throwing, like, double-fisted yeah. haymakers <laughs> in his first game back. I was like, all right, he's feeling fine. Well, that's a, uh, you know, EJ's obviously the the old guy story locally, but Cogs was at, like, what, 1,150 games played without a cup? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, well, dude, and so he was uh, he was leaving every game, at least in Tampa, with <clears throat> a bag of ice taped around his hand. So his hand was just stuck in this bag of ice. Um, so, I mean, like, you know, he was hurting. Uh, we find out after the game, Andre Burakovsky played in the cup final with a broken ankle and couldn't finish the series because he then broke his thumb and had identical surgery to Nazem Kadri, but the morning of game six, he took parts of morning skate. 
Um, so, I mean, just like what these guys battled through um, and then to hear, you know, that they pulled that meeting and, and we're like, no, we, we don't need anybody else to get involved. We are getting this done here. Um, you know, it, it was just, it was just awesome to, to see those guys get it. And then, yeah, you know, you saw those shots um, being down on the ice and, and I, I was able to talk to Logan O'Connor and I asked him, how does this compare, you know, to your national championship? And he said, this is just on another level. Um, winning is winning and everybody loves winning, but this is something different. Uh, I, I, he's the only one I asked a question about the game, um, on the ice. And, and I just asked him, I was like, that was maybe the best period of hockey you guys have played all season that I've ever seen you guys play. Uh, you know, what was kind of said and paraphrasing here, obviously, but you know, it was basically, you know, he, he kind of brought up the meeting, like, uh, you know, we understood we had to do, you wouldn't believe how many guys referred to game five of round two. Um, after the game on on Sunday, Kale McCarr referred to it as the turning point in the postseason. You knew it was going to be a seminal moment when they responded in Game Six, and they were going to be able to build off of that moving forward. Yeah, well, and 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 uh, McCarr specifically referred to the Josh Manson block um, in the in the crease as as kind. He he said, I he said I was sitting on the bench, and I said that's the moment. That is the moment we aren't like, and he basically said like, we can't lose. Like we can't lose now after that. Um, and that's going to be what, what propels us. And, uh, you know, so, so O'Connor mentioned that McCarr mentioned that Bednar mentioned that, uh, you know, that game and, uh, and, and, you know, O'Connor just said basically the same thing where he's like, look, we, we took that experience in that game. We understood what, what we did and what we didn't do in game five. Um, and, and we understood that, like, we got to this third period where we had an opportunity to close it out. And so we just said, we're, we're closing this out. Like we're getting this done. And, um, it it was honestly, it was, it was an unbelievable, (coughs) excuse me, performance from the abs, um, that you can kind of forget because of the emotion and everything that comes after the win. Um, but that was unbelievable. And then, (coughs) you know, I, uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to Arturi Lekkinen, but who's Justin Barron? You know what I mean? Like, uh, the, yeah. the, the <laughs> but, but you know, I mean, the, the goal, no, I know. And, and, and like, it's tough. Cause I mean, Justin Barron, I think we were all very high on, I think he's going to be a great NHLer. but Lekkinen scores the goal to send the abs to the Stanley cup final and then gets the cup clinching goal. Um, you know, Nathan McKinnon put it best after, after the Edmonton series, You'd trade 10 first round picks for that guy right now. And who cares? Um, <laughs> it's always worth if you win the cup, man. Cause if you, if you're Florida right now, you're big mad, but if you're Colorado, you're like worth it's the greatest deadline ever. <laughs> so I want to, I want to talk about exactly that. And then not, um, you know, not, not caring about them. And I want to start with you, Megan, Cause I was telling you before I was sitting there after <clears throat> as this series going on, I said, I said, I- I'm going to do a Darcy piece at some point during this. Cause I, I, I know he struggled and I'm sure there's going to be people in the chat right now who are going to get all weird, but I thought his best games were five and six. I thought when the stakes got to the point where they were the, they were the highest, he elevated his game in the way that they needed. You don't love the Jan Ruda goal. Jared Bednar acknowledged that. And I really don't love the Stamkos goal in game six, 
but like game six, he gives that one up and he responds. And like I said, Megan, you did write the, the Darcy piece. So I, I just, I wanted to get your perspective on, you know, the playoff that we saw from him in general and then his final series, how, you know, how it actually unfolded, how you guys saw it different from how I saw it or, or from your own angle. I obviously have a lot of thoughts about it. Um, I, bigger picture looking at the postseason in its totality, I think his performance fell below people's expectations, but I don't know if we set expectations in a reasonable place, um, especially given things that happen in the playoffs that are just beyond control with injury. Um, and then the other thing is I just look at teams in the post-cap era and how they're built, and very few are built around elite goaltending and then also getting elite talent in other areas. It's very hard to have Bas Alevsky level goaltending and Kael McCarr, Devon Taves, and a top line that has McKinnon and Rantanen and or, you know, the, it's been blended. But um, the lack in it, like to even have the top six as talented as it is, um, there's very few teams built that way except for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And that's why both these teams end up in the Stanley Cup final. Um, mm -hmm. And so you look at the final statistics and AJ pointed it out that Kemper yeah. was on a level very similar to Vasilevsky. Um, and I think it's a fair point. I think Avs fans have been burned with goaltenders in the past. Um, someone said that they have PTSD and <laughs> you're never going to get Patrick Juan net again. But what Darcy right. did in the regular season and then even in the postseason, I would say was above satisfactory. Um, especially in the games where it really mattered, like five and six. Um, I, even, I even look at that Ruda goal, and I'm like, that was a 95-mile-per-hour slap shot. Like, I think we just are holding this goaltender to an impossible standard. And I would say his performance was good. We don't have to get carried away or yep, avoid any sort of criticisms altogether. But I think Darcy Kemper had a fine postseason, a good postseason. It ended with a Stanley Cup. Yeah. So... If he has a 9-10 postseason, that just means he gives up one fewer goal along the way. Do you feel right. that differently about it? You know? Right. Like, and I mentioned this the other day when we were in studio that we use safe percentage the same way that we use Corsi. It's meant to be used over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And safe percentages is like shooting percentage that when you look at them in smaller, <laughs> smaller samples, you look at them across six games, you can get all kinds of all kinds of results. Yeah. Their goalies are just like other players. They have good and bad games. And when it <laughs> comes to goalie evaluation, we get too myopic with how we yeah. blame a goaltender and only a goaltender, or we don't blame a goaltender for any of it. Right. And, Oh, well, what can he do in this situation? What do you want him to, you know, like, oh, poor helpless him. But in reality, it's like he's just like the guys that are in front of him. He needs to pick up his play a little bit. But then you look at the other end. You look at Vasilevsky's numbers. Did Vasi play poorly? No. But you look at, like, look at the goal that he gives up uh, in game five, the first goal. It's a puck that bounces out of his glove, falls oh, yep. down to his right, and Nachushkin just goes, thank you? Right. And, and taps that thing in, you know, it's not, it's, it's not that Darcy Kemper needed to be a nine twenty goaltender. He needed to be better than the other guy at the other end. And he got them to that point. 
He's and just needed to be better than that guy, and he was. And if you go and you look, of and I'm not counting Jordan Bennington in this, statistically, the best goaltender that the Avalanche faced was Connor Ingram. <laughs> but the, the thing is, look at the games that Darcy lost to. He lost four games in this entire playoff run. And the opposing goaltender save percentage in those games, the first one in St. Louis with Bennington, a 968 is what it took to beat him. You do have the one the one St. Louis game where they fell apart that it didn't yeah. take. They, much. they. Yeah. Yeah. As a fell team, apart. fell apart. Yeah. And then the two losses to Tampa. Vassy posts a 946 and a 949 in those games. Like It literally takes all world goaltending to beat Darcy Kemper and the Avs. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and, 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 you know, you go back to game six and, and uh, Megan, I think you were just saying, you know, you, I'm you, a get, fan in chat. you get to, um, you get to <clears throat> one-to-one, right? Halfway through the game, it's one-to-one. And with the way that both teams were playing, it's like, all right, well, which goal is going to make the next mistake? Who's going to give up the goal? And, it was it was Vasilevsky, and and Darcy Kemper. I mean, the Avs that was an all world third period, elite, clinical. Pick an adjective. That was it. You know what? Vasilevsky was awesome in that third period. He so, made yeah. a couple of that that big toe save that he made on, on, the, on the yeah on Natushkin kept them in it. Like yep. kept them in that game, and that was I think that was the thing. Uh, about that period that I was getting a little annoyed with, and now that it's over, and now that I now that it's done, we know how it ends. It's all good, baby. But I was getting pissed because I was like, Vasi is keeping these assholes in this. These guys right. are getting run through, and they don't deserve to be in this game anymore. And, so and... it was very frustrating, but it was also great to be like, this is why Vasi is exceptional, and it yeah. still wasn't good enough. Right. Well, and, and, and looks like you go back to that third period and the only look the abs gave up of any quality was to Nikita Kucherov on a two on one. And Darcy makes a phenomenal save where he just swallows that puck up. No rebound, nothing just shuts the entire play down. And we've talked about this throughout the season on this show where you can tell when Darcy is locked in, when he's not busy and, and pucks are dying right near him and he's not giving up rebounds. And when I saw that stop, I was like, Oh man, it's going to take, if, if you can get to the net, it's going to take something exceptional to beat him right now. Because, you know, maybe that two on one with Corey Perry, that Kucherov put wide, but yeah, that's the thing. They got two scoring opportunities in the third. They missed one of them. Darcy stopped the other. That's it. That's all you needed. Yeah. That's all you needed. It, uh, it was awesome. And 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 I was super happy for him. Um, he was, uh, I was really happy for him down on the ice. He, I mean, just a giant smile on his face for the full two hours that, that, you know, you're out there and all that stuff. And, um, I, I really did, you know, this is, this is a tough market to play goalie in. It doesn't quite get enough, you know, people don't talk about that. You know, they talk about Philly being a hard market and stuff like that, but abs fans were kind of forged by Patrick Waugh and Megan, like you said, you're you're not going to get Patrick Waugh in net again. It's just not going to happen. Like it's just not going to happen. And 
I think that's people's standards sometimes. Well, you have to play like Patrick Waugh did in game six, game six of the cup final every night or you're trash. Look, there were nights where Darcy struggled. He didn't have, he didn't have a stellar postseason. Like you said, let's not get carried away. But um, I thought for most of the games that he was in, he was good. He was good enough. And, and he made the next save when his counterpart didn't. Um, in every in series he played in, he was better than the guy on the other end. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm still salty a little bit about that blue series where just watching St. Louis score half the goals that they scored in that series off an avalanche stick where it did some dumb shit along the way. And those people want to talk about the abs getting lucky and getting a free cup or whatever. Are you fucking for real with this right now? (laughs) All right. Yeah. I, I appreciate all the reminiscing. I have a feeling we're going to do more of it on Thursday. So I, I am going to move yeah. us along here. It's parade day. So <laughs> we're going to have to talk about it again. But I do want to look at, I do also want to look at the postseason as a, as a larger picture. Yeah. So we can definitely pay yeah. our bills and let's get us there. Go to foco.com to get all of your avalanche championship merch. They have bobbleheads of everyone. I have to say they did a great job on all of them, except for Kale McCarr. Macars looks really weird, <laughs> but the rest of them look excellent. They look. Are they the bobbles? The bobbleheads. Nathan McKinnon's yeah. hair looks really dark, but it looks a lot like. It's a little dark, but it's like Nathan McKinnon. I think Miko's looks excellent. Uh, Gabe's is very good too, as as is Kadri's. So go check out all their bobbleheads. They also have other. Uh, Eric is buying all of those, right? So we could just have them for the set. Uh, that's my assumption. Is well, is so cool. I, I actually I almost got one a couple nights ago before we before I knew that we had like any type of partnership with them. So now I gotta I gotta try to get my hands on a few. There you go. So go check it out. They also have like ornaments for your Christmas tree, mini Stanley Cup paperweight type things if you want that. Uh, they have some some masks, other stuff as well. Go check out Foco today for all of your uh, Stanley Cup champion Avalanche merch. And we're also, of course, brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Uh, they're amazing. They've been with us for so long. They make amazing beers. Highly recommend you go get yourself some at your local liquor store. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a blast. Go uh, go find a, a Breck Brew. If you've never been to the farmhouse, you got to get down there. It's an amazing venue. They hold events down there pretty regularly. So go check out what they're doing because it's just a, a, a great place to go, especially during the summer when there's no hockey and, and you need stuff to do. So go check out Breck Brew, third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Jesse? Before we get into the rest of the playoffs, I just wanted to ask you guys a question on Darcy. Yeah. So I was saying to our good buddy, uh, JJ Jerez, after the game, yeah, the man, dude. um, I was like, man, if you're the Avs, that playoff run maybe couldn't have gone better in terms of Darcy Kemper because he had his ups and downs and you still won. So now if you do want to keep him here, I don't think it's crazy expensive. And if, if he walks, you're like, yeah, he was good. He wasn't like, I just, I don't think that could have gone better for them. Like he was good enough. They won the cup with him. But like you can probably bring him back for something a little slight raise on what he's currently at. So what was the question? Do do you guys think one should they bring him back, and two do you kind of agree with that was kind of best case scenario in terms of how it how it played out? 
in terms of keeping him in terms of keeping his price down and all yeah mm-hmm. probably that, that kind of run probably provided you the best chance to keep him at a <laughs> at a on a contract that you really don't have a problem with um would i keep him uh, i'm still deciding having seen the US towards yes. market, i would lean pretty heavily towards yes I would lean towards yes, but I want to put together – I haven't put together an entire off-season plan of what I would personally do and started to work and throw all the numbers and stuff. So uh, I'm still uh, – give me a TBD, and by the time that we actually dig into – when we start really digging into the off-season stuff next week, I'll have a better answer for you, but leaning towards yes. More time for Megan to sharpen her knives. <laughs> I'm leaning towards yes, too. I remember in the regular season, at least – there are other teams who have a very big goalie problem. And I remember seeing other fan bases before Frankie signed his contract extension, talking about giving him a chance as a starter and wanting that for their organization. And that gives me a feel for what the market must look like. And I would mm. not want to chance losing out on Kemper as starter, um, especially if the price is right, just given what options might also be available. It, it might be kind of chancing it. So I, I'd lean towards yes, definitely. Mm. Yeah. We got to witness in these playoffs directly what happened to the team that missed out on Darcy Kemper. They lost to the abs. Yeah. 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 Wow. Quickly. I know Francois was in net for the abs in that, but, but still the point stands. Yeah. Darcy yeah. Kemper. Yeah. I think the point is only enhanced by Pavel Francois swept Mike Smith. Yeah. <laughs> so you understand like, where Darcy Kemper is at somewhere in that hierarchy. It's it's above other teams that were in the conference finals. Yeah. I think no, made, oh, you make a good point about the Francois thing. So go ahead, AJ, sorry. I of the free agents, the only one that I would be really intrigued by was Billy Huso. Mm-hmm. And, and and even then are you you're probably doing like a one A, one B with him and Frankie, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Again, I don't. Topic I don't for a different have a, day, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It, for I today, just, I, I thought that play. I thought the postseason played out. If you're wanting to keep Darcy at something reasonable, I thought it couldn't have played out better. I, I agree with that for sure. But yeah. for today, the topic is not who was the best player in That's the cup. 15 minutes in. Not who was the worst player. Not who was the who was the most surprising Av during this cup run. Who did the most to change your mind about who they are as a player? Megan, I'm putting you on the spot first here. This one probably isn't the most unusual answer, but I feel like Bowen Byron because of the year that he had and the uncertainty surrounding some of his injury Great answer. and she what he was able first. to do in the postseason. <laughs> Real, like, it was, I don't know that there was an expectation for him to exceed because everyone just wanted him to be healthy above everything else, but he really was phenomenal in the playoffs and especially for such a young player. Um, it just, the, it was a beautiful storyline to emerge for him. It, he was fantastic. Well, and I think in the in the light of the Sam Gerrard injury, yeah. him because what they got out of Bowen Byram in the first round, if Byram and EJ is your third pair, you're like, <laughs> this is incredible. Are you serious? And then when G goes down, and that that pairing has to get elevated, that's now your second pairing. How many third pairings are there in the NHL? 
that would have been able to just be like, well, let's do this. And let's be honest here, as good as Eric Johnson was this postseason, why was that group able to elevate? Why were they able to almost seamlessly survive the same Gerard injury? It's because Bowen Byram was awesome. It yeah. We talked about it during like while it was happening, but when it really hit me was the Rangers series. Watching the Rangers play Tampa Bay and Same. watching Braden Schneider just get smoked. Braden Schneider and Keandre Miller, guys yeah. who are of similar age to Bowen Byram just getting bodied. And then you watch Byram against the same exact Tampa Bay Lightning. You see the work that he put in against them, the way that he controlled play, the way that he suppressed that the Lightning offense. He Those led, guys didn't do shit against him. He led the defense in five-on-five five minutes in the cup yeah. final. Yeah, in and he had a 30-shot advantage with yeah. him on the ice at 5v5. 30 actual shots on goal in his advantage. He was dominant. He whooped that ass. He was awesome. What were you saying, Megan, game five? Oh, there were a few positives in game five, but I remembered Byron was actually one of the positives. He he had a great game. Five. Well, and what? He hits two or three posts in the final? Yeah. Like, his stat line could have even been more ridiculous. And, like, big goals, too. Like, he almost scored the OT winner before Kadri did. I feel like we were talking about Byron like that all playoffs. In the first two rounds, it was like, you know, that dude should have four more assists and people are just mm-hmm. shanking his passes. It, yeah, He played so, so, so well and his stat lines don't necessarily reflect truly how good it was. And then, yeah. and then a great pass to set up Nate in game six to, to get them on the board. Great pass to set up uh, Kadri's second goal in St. Louis in game four. Right after yes, they failed to yes. score on the five-on-three, literally yeah. as both guys are coming out of the box, he's the one that makes the centering pass because that's the goal that really was like, you guys aren't doing shit in this game. Yeah, no, that yeah, great point, great point. It's you look all you look all over the place. Bowen Byron making a play. Bowen Byron making a play. He was he was awesome. His coming out part. I mean, he not he he couldn't he was never going to compete for the Calder because he wasn't going to be able to get the power play time and all that to, to chase down Mo Sider. But right now, if you would if you would unequivocally take Mo Sider over Bo and Byram moving forward, I would struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Because what Bo and Byram did in a big role, now it wasn't the top dog role, but a big role on the cup champion avalanche team. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot no, better yeah. than what Mo Sider did in the uh in the in a in the, he had an awesome regular season. I love that guy. But mm-hmm. I don't know that I would take him over Bowen Byron right now after what we just saw out of that postseason run. 100%. Right. Byron off the board. Who's next? Who's going Je- next? Jesse, I'll defer. So th- th- I think there's a lot of people you could point to, and there's a lot of different kind of like, like you know, Jared Bednar said that he thought that Val Nachushkin's elevating of his play had like the biggest impact. Um, so I think there's a lot, of, but like for me, man, the one that surprised me just surprised me more than me else by how good he was for the whole run was Darren Hell. Um, like I, I thought <clears throat> that whole bottom six, can was, we, can we combine Darren Helm, <laughs> Andrew Cogliano and Logan O'Connor? Yeah. Cause like Absolutely. I, yeah. I hate to split them up because they each, they yeah. each had one or two moments along the run where you're like they don't win that game without that guy making that play at that time. 
Yep. And they they were so they were so sick that the, the they all did it together, man. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and, go and, ahead, sorry. Well, no, no, and there was even a game where uh, shit, what game was it? One game one or game two of of the final where Bednar because of the injuries he actually just elevated that that line as a whole to the third line and then just like kind of patched in around it but like that's how good that line was he was like yeah we can split up everything else I cannot split up what these guys are doing um and and, and yeah that 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 fourth line was just so huge for them and Jared Bednar said it so many times. We're gonna need everybody if we're gonna if we're gonna get to where we want to go. Um, and and I thought that fourth line, if you even want to call it that, um, just represented that more than any other grouping. They were so good. They were so key. I don't think they win this cup uh, w- w- without that line doing what they did. Um, in some big moments. You know what I mean? It wasn't like there was like, oh, they were out there and they held their own and they ground them down till the top guys can get back out. They're like, no, they contributed. They made plays. Um, all three of those guys were massive on the penalty kill. Um, and seriously, like going into these playoffs, to me, Darren Helm was the scratch. I was like, yep, that's the guy you put in the press box till you need him. And by the end of it, I mean, I wouldn't have put that guy anywhere near the press box. <laughs> Darren Ocagliano yeah. is it. That's the Perfect. one. That's the one. It's uh it was great, man. That 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 whole fourth line uh I thought had had such a huge impact on this team in the run. Um that uh that they they definitely deserve some love. Oh, right. Game winning goals. Cogliano ends up with two of them, although both game winning goals are in games where the app scored a ton of goals. Is that line uh the holy trinity? No, Darren but I Helm think is the father. Logan O'Connor's the son. <laughs> is Cogliano the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, so there is another version that's the Holy Ghost, and I guess you could say that because he like wasn't didn't do much in the regular season, <laughs> and then just like went off in the in the playoffs. There you go. <laughs> Which I feel like that is a little like blasphemous, though. Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely, very blasphemous. I do, I do wonder if Andrew Cogliano replaces Dan Hynode in like Avalanche fan lore. As that guy, yeah, as the guy where you're like, I want that guy in the playoffs. Give me that guy. That's well, the guy we're after. Where can we go get that guy every single playoff run? Dude, we were I, missing I we, that guy this year. I know we talked about it earlier, and you know, but like, I mean, like seriously, I, I kind of saw that as a throwaway depth pick up at the deadline, but he ended up playing a big role in, in their success. And again, not to reheart, you know, rehash all of it, but he was, I guess, I guess it was the speech he gave the night before game six that everyone was like, okay, we're doing this. Um, and just to be able to step into a room with that kind of leadership already in place and establish yourself as a respected voice that quickly, like, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that becomes something that they, maybe not at the top of the priority list, but that they prioritize bringing back because he had an impact on the room. Is anybody going to be surprised when 10 years from now, Andrew Cogliano was either a head coach, a GM or on television. I'll be shocked if he's not behind a bench somewhere. He seems like tailor made for 
one of those like smart hockey player roles. Mm-hmm. You just see the way he plays the game. It's just like, oh, this guy gets this. Right, he understands right. everything going on. All right. AJ? Uh, I, I think for me, it's Josh Manson. Um, I think people who have read me gush about him in the takeaways all postseason mm-hmm. are not going to be surprised by that answer. But honestly, I think that it wasn't it wasn't even Josh Manson that I was expecting um, to show up in Colorado. Um, I was kind of I like I was really amped on the move. I thought he was going to be a great fit, but in not even in my wildest imagination did I think that Josh Manson was going to look like this because this was this was Josh Manson like unleashed. Uh, we got to see a dynamic element come out of his game, and there were do, do, uh, overtime of game four. Rudo and I on the watch yeah. along are yeah. like, what has gotten into Josh Manson after three <laughs> periods? It was like Josh Manson had just snorted all the cocaine in the world <laughs> and was running on the greatest high of all time. He was everywhere. He was awesome in that overtime. And there were moments like they trade for Josh Manson and you're like, oh, Josh Manson's going to he's going to be his physical presence. And he's, you know, he's not going to do a lot with the puck. You're worried about it being a little like a more expensive Patrick Nemeth, you know, from the previous year, like. That was the downside. I was getting regular tweets and DMs from angry Avalanche fans during the regular season about Josh Manson. I didn't get a single one during the playoffs. Not even after that disastrous game one against Edmonton Mm -hmm. did I get anything remotely critical of Josh Manson. And he just looked totally reborn in Colorado. He looked like a guy that was having fun playing hockey getting to do things that he'd never gotten to do with the puck, you know? And it wasn't, it wasn't like he was at this, this, all oh, these crazy high end offensive plays. But then you see, like, go and look at the two on one that he starts with Cogliano in mm-hmm. game two to get them out and to get them that second goal. You see, he scores the game winning goal in game one against St. Louis. And it's not just a prayer that he floats on net that goes, that goes well. He outweights the -hmm. shooting lane, waits for all those guys to get out of his way, finds the shooting lane, puts the puck in a spot. Jordan Bennington still hasn't seen that puck. Mm -hmm. And you look at some of the offensive things that he did. You look at... Starts uh, the three-on-two for the cup-winning goal. Well, he starts that three-on-two. Game six, the first Colorado goal where JT Comfer scores against St. Louis. He makes that little dipsy-do move outside, gets the Blues player to bite, turns back around, spins into space, and puts it on net. That creates the rebound that Comfer scores. All of these are like little offensive plays that you didn't see a guy like Jack Johnson make because those guys don't try those things. Those guys strictly, they stop at the blue line. If they get the puck, they either pass it to their partner, they rim it, or they just throw it on net and get, get rid of it. Just get rid of it. Just get rid of it. And what you saw was a creative element from Josh Manson and the two-way play that he ended up having in Colorado, especially in the wake of Gerard's injury, it wasn't just Bo and Byram, but because Josh Manson brought a little bit of offense, because EJ brought a little bit of offense, they were able to survive without Sam Gerard because of the aggregate. Those three guys chipped in enough offense. And so I was, I was blown away by how just all around rock solid Manson was. 
Uh, I'd love to keep him in the offseason. I think that the defenseman market is going to be really weak and somebody's probably going to do something irresponsible for him. I'd love to get him on a contract like that David Savard deal, four years at about three and a half million. I would love that. I don't know if that's going to be possible or not. Uh, because I think, again, the, the free agent market on the back end is so bad that a team like mm-hmm. St. Louis is going to be like, give that guy $5 million. <laughs> and that's, you know, he should take that. <laughs> The the one guy that is my honorary mention. It's fine. I'll and, take uh, it. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I thought, I, no, no, no. Go, 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 go. I mean, I, I was just going to reiterate Lekkinen. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this was not, that was not my guy. Okay. But yeah, keep going. With Lekkinen, like, when they got him, they were like, all right, this is a third line type guy who can play super strong defense for you, maybe has a little bit of clutch in him. By the end of the playoffs, he has 14 points in 20 games with eight goals. Obviously, the clutch is there, but also he spent the entire playoffs in your top six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're going into next year saying Lekkonen's our second-line winger at this point. Like, Him and Nate really clicked, too. Also true, yeah. Um, no, my I honorary they, mention... I think, I think McKinnon and Lekkonen clicked more on a human level than they did on a hockey <laughs> level. Yeah, No, that's, and that's what I'm saying. Those dudes on a line together look like sandpaper and bare ass they did not go together at all but as homies like nate finally found a friend yeah yeah yeah. like the weirdest part of this is that you know peter forsberg only liked one person in his avalanche tenure and it was adam deadmarsh does nathan mckinnon finally have his one friend since tyson berry left is it arturi lekkonen's job to be mckinnon's token friend that's that's what it looked like. They really seemed to hit it off, but they really um, did. You know, so so my my honorary mention, and and people are gonna laugh, but like, dude, Eric Johnson, man, the 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 way that he elevated his play for my money, the last two months was the best hockey we've seen Eric Johnson play since he got to Denver. Um, it, I thought he was outstanding. Two great, great rounds of hockey, and then two that were good enough. Yeah, no, I mean he uh, he started to run out of gas at the end. For sure, he definitely did. Um, but you know, he, I thought, I thought he was so good. Um, you know, he tells us on the ice after the game, and he ended up, you know, talking to a couple of different people about this. He almost retired last summer dealing with his injury stuff, saying, "I, I don't even know if I can, if I, if I can play. I don't know if I can get myself back into it. I don't know if I can get through a, a full season." Uh, he gets to the full season. He plays some of the best hockey we've ever seen him play in the postseason. He gets his name on the cup. And, you know, now we'll see what he does for next year. We'll see what the abs do with him next year. But um, I'm not necessarily, I'm not expecting him to look like, look like he did in rounds one and two all of next season if he's back. Um, but I also don't think he's expecting that of himself. You know, and he told us, like, you don't know how many chances you get at a, at a Stanley Cup the fact that we feel like we've got a real shot here, like I'm leaving everything out here. Um, and, and I thought his play reflected. I thought, I thought he was really, really good. Okay. Uh, are we all good? Should we get to the super chats? Yes. All right. Let's do these quickly. Is this Yahir's computer functioning? It is uh, two seventy nine from Jake saying these guys again, eh? I don't even know what that means, but thanks us. 
Can't get rid of a taco. Beginning of the pod, like these guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my God, they just won the Stanley Cup. Can we get rid of these assholes already? (laughs) No. Sorry, Sucky, stuck with us. Five dollars from Avs for the win. Been pondering how mad do you think Tyson Jost is with the team for several years, only to be traded right before the championship run. Ouch. Don't think he is. Yeah, I don't think he's mad at all. If you've ever met Tyson Jost, you know he's not that kind of guy. And uh, I was also told that that was a trade that was multiple seasons in the making that people just didn't know. So I mean, he needed he he wanted opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Let's be real. No, I yeah, hundred percent. Ended up playing like ten minutes a night in Minnesota, but not it's a different conversation. Pin King with five bucks says, "Hey AJ, which Tampa Bay landmark did the Avs steal this time?" The Stanley Cup. The only thing we're taking out of Tampa Bay. Yo, the Tesla coils were pretty freaking cool. <laughs> yeah, but I don't have any use for that shit. They were sick. <laughs> $5 from Will saying, Makar Byram will become the next Keith Seabrook. Maybe. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I think Makar and Byram are both going to end up in the Hall of Fame, and I don't think Brent Seabrook will. Ooh, <laughs> probably right. I mean, Seabrook Ooh, definitely dude. won't, but... Uh, $10 from Heretic says, yo, boys, first chance to be live since the win. Been a lots of tears this year. So glad yeah. the Avs gave us a reason to apologetically cry together. Enjoy. I'm assuming that's unapologetically. Uh, thanks for all years. Love you. Yeah. I much, much love to awesome. everybody. It's awesome. $20 from Andrew saying, didn't get to say until today, but appreciate the content and passion coming here to listen about hockey slash the abs. It's priceless flying in for the parade. Thank so you I, uh, yeah, I want to mention something. So I, uh, I was lucky enough to talk to chat with uh, Elliot Friedman a couple times uh, throughout the final. And one of the things he said, he said, what I love about Colorado media is you can tell that you guys are all very passionate about covering the team. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that, that shows through, you know, it's, um, we put a lot of passion and emotion into this and I'm glad people get to experience that with us. Yeah. Yes, Kevin. I do have a use for the St. Louis arch and it's keeping <laughs> it out of St. Louis. <laughs> uh, and then an insane hundred dollars from John saying, miss the post game on Sunday. Thanks for everything. Congrats to you guys. Bummed I'll miss the parade. Will there be DNVR parade content? Oh Yes. Oh, we yes. had an hour-long meeting about that before this show. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of DNVR parade content. <laughs> uh, $2 from Miss Truly popping in late. Just hi. Hope everyone is fairly recovered. Um, yeah, so nothing's, like, super solid on the parade. We can't, like, give you guys a, pay, hey, come show up and do this. But we're definitely planning on a lot of content. We're going to have a podcast after the parade is done. We'll be talking about all sorts of stuff. So there'll be a lot of stuff out there on Thursday. Well, yeah. And the the other reason that we aren't going to like say this is what we're doing is because as uh, RG, uh, our, our great video content person pointed out, we have no idea what the service situation will be yeah. like downtown. Yeah. Uh, I think it was uh, game one of the final. I was talking to the abs social media people after they were like, if you go to the abs account right now, there is nothing up on Twitter because we can't get anything to go out. They were like, can't get videos of the goal. And that was for game one of the final. I can't even imagine what it's going to be like tomorrow. So there will be content, but. Yeah. And we will be 
there will be a group of DNVR people at the parade if you want to stop by and say hi and hang out with them and stuff. I think they're going to be firing off information about where they end up setting up shop. And yeah. A lot of it right now is just really fluid. We don't have solid answers. We just kind of have like, all right, well, these this group of people will be here, and this group of people will be there, and this group of people will be there, and I'll be at home. I'll be sitting right here, hanging out. Okay. On that note, we're going to wrap up the show. We are off tomorrow because, God, we need a day off. Uh, <laughs> we will be back on Thursday with all the Parade Show stuff. We'll be live Friday, uh, so be sure to tune in on those ones. Uh, we love all y'all so much. We hope to see you in the next one. Until then, we will talk to you later. <laughs>